Welcome back to another edition of the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Football and Recruiting Podcast. He's Ryan Snyder back from a well-deserved vacation. I'm Greg Pickle and we have a lot of news to get to. The alliance is about to be formed with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC. So we'll talk about that as we record here on Tuesday, August 24. The Nittany Lions are soon getting ready to take the field. We'll have camp updates. We'll do some recruiting news. Ryan, we have a lot to get to as always. And it's just amazing to think that the first game of the year, after all the waiting, all the talking about it, all of the analysis and evaluations and media days and things like that, we're close. We are. You can smell it on the horizon, the start of the Penn State football season. I mean, if I learned anything this summer, it's that time flies. <laughs> Man, I feel like uh, we were going to uh, the Under Armour camp in April just, you know, the other day. So that, that was a fast summer. A fun summer. Penn State fans are excited, and uh, they they should be after everything that happened on the recruiting trail, and you know then the potential going into this season. So it's it's going to be here in a, what? What are we? Ten days away? I don't even know. Maybe a little less than that, or a little more than that. But uh, it's going to be going to be a fun season, no doubt. Eleven days until the opener at Wisconsin on September four. Penn State listed as somewhere between, depending on where you look, a three and a half and a four and a half point favorite. Obviously, a lot of time to get to that, but let's start with this news that the alliance is going to be formed, announced officially at some point today. In fact, it probably already will be by the time you listen to this. Really good news to share with our listeners. We are now on Apple Podcasts, so when you go to download today's show and any future shows. Uh, you'll be able to find us there now, so check it out, Blue White Illustrated on Apple Podcasts. We know a lot of you have patiently waited for that opportunity, and we appreciate your patience and are happy to say that the episodes can now be found there. So as for the alliance, uh, Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC is going to announce something uh, related to this today. It appears that non-conference scheduling is going to be a big part of it. Obviously, it comes in reaction to the news of the SEC welcoming Oklahoma and Texas into its ranks. And there's a lot of uh, conversation right now, especially at the national level, that this is not the big deal that it seems to be or is being made out to be. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this uh, proposed grouping or partnership or whatever that uh, is coming to fruition here sooner rather than later in some way, shape, or form, even if we don't have specifics? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Big Ten's obviously the big dog in this group, and it tells me that the Big Ten doesn't want to expand. That's that's kind of the first thing that grabs my attention. And it's also, you know, all about voting, really. I mean, that's that's the big part of it. You know, 60, 70 percent of this feels like it's it's a, a governance thing, as everyone keeps uh, keeps calling it. So uh, not, you know, and, and with voting and, and that is it's really not allowing the SEC to change scholarship limits or, you know, put in different recruiting rules, because as we've seen, the NCAA's power is slowly um drifting away so uh, but the scheduling part is definitely interesting first off I, I think there's no chance that these three conferences don't end up playing SEC schools there's just too much crossover especially with the ACC uh, in rivalry games and a lot of these schools you know they want to they want to play Alabama and Georgia I know Ohio State for example they have I believe home and home set with Alabama and Georgia uh, for the next coming decade so no way do I see that coming? Really, what this is is uh, who was it? Andy Staples? I think wrote a really good story earlier this week about how you know getting over that four million uh, viewers and, and how important that is in, in regards to uh, television money. So to me, this is uh, the, the, these three conferences trying to find ways to put their big brands together and, and build those kind of matchups that uh, will we'll get that kind of viewership. So whether it's 
you know, we have Oregon, Ohio State this year, but, you know, maybe putting Ohio State with a USC down the road, a Penn State against uh, Washington or Clemson, you know, putting those big brands together in, in marquee games. I think that's the big takeaway here. You'll, you'll still probably see some smaller schools, uh, you know, play against each other in, in, in between those three conferences. But that's that's what stands out to me, at least trying to at least with the scheduling part is trying to figure out a way to to get these big these big time brands to play against each other. Yeah, and the question to me just becomes when. I mean, you look at the number of games that are that are already filled by most of these the schools in these three conferences. I mean, Penn State, I guess, has a couple of spots left, but um, you know what's going to happen. I guess my biggest curiosity is what happens to these Group of Five and or lower lower level Power Five schools who are on non-conference schedules, are they going to get bumped? Are they just going to get their uh, severance pay, so to speak, and get bumped out of the way to create some of these more appealing uh, cross-conference matchups? That's what's kind of one thing I'm watching for because you're right, the TV part of it is, the you know, Sandy Barber said it over the weekend that you can't uh, dismiss the money part of it, and of course you can. There's no other place to start the conversation. So it will be fascinating to see how exactly this all plays out, and I ultimately think that, it will be good for Penn State in the long run. It may not be evident immediately that it's um, that it's good for Penn State or making an impact on Penn State, but I do think long-term it's something that can help the Nittany Lions and help a lot of these schools across the board. One one thing, too, is do I believe it's the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they both play nine conference games. Do you trim to eight yes. to fit these games in with so many non-conference games scheduled? You know, if you want to make an impact early – that's the only way I see them being able to do that. So those two, those two schools trim, you know, trim to eight. And then the ACC, you know, they end up cutting out, you know, the, the citadels of the world maybe to make it work since they already play eight conference games. But you know, that, that to me, if, if you want to make this work in the next two, three years, that's the only way that they can, they can make it work. So Penn state, instead of playing Minnesota or Nebraska or whomever from the West, that game gets chipped. And, you know, all of a sudden the Nittany Lions are playing UCLA, which would be awesome over at the Rose Bowl. I'd love to do that. <laughs> I'd love to go to that game, yeah. uh, you know, in, in three three years or so. So that's that's the that's the way I see them trying to make it work. But, you know, we'll find out here in the coming days. James Franklin has long said that when you're going to talk about changing the sport or expanding the college football playoff or so on and so forth, you first have to address the fact that there are differences in things like number of conference games and things like that. So this could be a step toward doing that. We'll see. You're listening to the Blue Illustrated Penn State Football and Recruiting Podcast. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle. Find all of our latest coverage, bwi.rivals.com, and we'll move on to the recruiting portion of the show, or at least one recruiting portion of the show. We're going to look ahead to some traveling you and I will be doing later this week, later in the program. But for now, let's start with this. Andre Roy has a top four now. The uh, offensive lineman is down to NC State, Maryland, Rutgers, and the Nittany Lions. Uh, at this point, Ryan, he is uh, set to decide on September 22nd. You've had a chance to chat with him, I think, once. I have not had that wow. opportunity yeah, once, so I think you're doing better than most in that regard. I'm going to throw up his highlights here, and you tell us where Penn State's at at this point. Obviously, the class is getting full, but we know there's a little bit of room left. What's the latest? Well, I'll start by just saying that uh, anyone who believes they absolutely know what Andre Roy is thinking is is fooling you because this is one of the more uh, more quiet kids that we've seen in in the 2022 class, and that's not just with reporters; it's that way with coaches too. Uh, you know, 
talking to you know Penn State sources and then talking to colleagues you know in Maryland or Rutgers you know they they get from you know the, the people that they speak that he's just not not very open with that kind of stuff he, he doesn't you know his parents do more of the talking you know when he when he does visits and whatnot than, than the actual player himself but this will also definitely be Roy's decision that's another thing that everybody has has definitely made it clear the, the parents are making sure the kid gets to go where, where he truly wants to go, which is good. That, 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 I think that's a good thing. Uh, but, but long story short, I mean, he's had a, he's had a top four for a while now. This was not a surprise. He Look, he went and visited all four of these schools in a two-day span at the end of that July recruiting period. So, you know, we, we've known that these are the top four for a while. And my impression, at least after the Lash Bash, was very much that Penn State and Maryland – are, are the two schools that you know have a little bit of an edge? Although I, I'm still hesitant to rule out Rutgers, I feel like they've done a good job recruiting, and there are some good relationships there. So I don't want to totally overlook that relationship, but I, I do feel Penn State and Maryland are the two schools there. And you know, we know he's going to make a decision next month, but uh, again, I, I can't I can't sit here and pretend right now that I, I feel Penn State's a favorite or I feel Maryland's a favorite. This one's going to go down to the wire, and I think even in the days and weeks leading up to it, this is going to be a player where we, we who we truly don't know where he's leaning. So, yeah, Penn State at this point has a couple of offensive linemen committed. Rutgers is an interesting spot; it has a handful of offensive linemen already on board. I think it's six as of this recording. NC State, Maryland don't have. I think they have one apiece committed at this point. So we'll see how things shake out. As you said, not a big talker, not a big guy to share his thoughts either via social media he's a big guy yeah that's for sure yeah uh just not a big talker so moving on the high school football season is underway across almost across the country some places got a head start others will start this weekend ryan let's uh we're gonna flash some clips up here of these guys drew alar uh was in action uh, this past weekend, Caden Sounders was in action. Katron Allen also. Of course, I forgot to get Katron Allen clips, so we'll work on that for next time. But <laughs> why, don't, out there. why don't we start with him? A really good performance to open the season for IMG Academy. Yeah, 227 yards rushing and three touchdowns against an absolutely stacked American Heritage squad. And look, IMG, of course, is stacked too. I think even the casual recruiting fan knows that they are a super powerhouse that – takes from recruits all over the country but to run for for those kind of stats uh, against uh, an American Heritage squad that has eight nationally ranked players in their defense I mean think about that for a second this this is this is a very loaded squad so those stats are great I mean he did that against players like Marvin Jones Jr who's a top prospect James Williams I believe is a five-star committed to Miami Richard Thomas uh top player committed to Indiana I believe Jacoby Spells committed to West Virginia these he, he put up some some incredible stats against some awesome players. So, and again, you know, he's running behind an IMG offensive line that has some, some, some great players too, but that's, that's a great way to start the season. Look strong, um, you know, in the limited clips that we saw on Twitter, you know, running strong. Um, and that's always been his, his strength really just kind of between the tackles and, and being a bull. So good to see. I'm, I'm, Hoping to to see IMG Academy against St. Francis in November. Uh, that'll be my first opportunity to really get to see Catron up close. Let's stay in the Sunshine State, rather. Uh, I know you've always been high on Cam Miller, the Penn State commit, who was a part of that tremendous July recruiting run. He has some new film out now as well. What were your thoughts on getting to see that? This is a guy who... 
he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews either. I mean, he does, he's not a guy who is a big talker. I think he does plenty of work behind the scenes in terms of being a peer recruiter, but he's not a big talker publicly. And so maybe we haven't – and between that and the fact that he played a lot of quarterback last year, you know, you really didn't always get a true sense of what he was about. So I'm going to hit the highlights. You hit us with what your thoughts were, both after watching him and just getting a feel for what things look like at his new school. Yeah. Well, he did a little bit of everything um, for Trinity Trinity Christian. This And, and this was his first game at Trinity Christian. He, he recently transferred from Fernandina Beach, uh, which is a little bit north of Jacksonville. Now he's uh, pretty much right in Jacksonville with, with Trinity Christian. And as you'll see with these highlights, you know, he's, he's taken he's taken punts back, playing a little bit of quarterback. You'll see he plays wide receiver. Um, and then, of course, cornerback, too. And, and we didn't get to watch much of him at corner. You know, the clips are limited, and this is a preseason game. I don't have stats or anything like that. But I know just from talking to Penn State sources that they were really happy to see his complete film, uh, which, you know, we, we don't have access to, obviously. But but I know the coaches were really happy with, with everything they saw in, in, you know, some limited time in a preseason game. But this is a great two-way player who, you know, has shown a lot in, in different varieties. And, and, you know, Penn State thinks he, he, he projects really well at the next level as a cornerback. So it's – Look, it's great to see that he's at, at a Trinity Christian now who's going to play against some elite, elite talent. I, I wrote a little thing today. I think we'll touch on it a little bit later on on just some some players who I think can move up in the ratings. And and Cam Miller makes absolute sense. And, and his transfer is is part of that, part of the, the case I made. Is that, you know, he's going to play five top 50 schools in Florida this year, including that American Heritage Squad, which I just mentioned a little bit ago. So He's going to get the opportunity to, to play some elite talent this year. And the fact that he's doing a little bit of everything for Trinity Christian, I think that really builds well for his opportunity to, to impress scouts. And, uh, you know, I know Penn State's already very impressed. Yeah, so, it tells you – absolutely. Yeah, it tells you that this is a guy who they feel like they have to have on the field at any time, at any position. And I don't think you can overstate the importance of that or the fact that it speaks to his athleticism and his speed and his – awareness and football IQ and so on and so forth. So really good first showing for him. Let's move up to Ohio, where Drew Allar and Caden Saunders both were in action. Obviously, uh, Pennsylvania will get going here this coming weekend, but for now we have some action, some shots of Drew Allar and Caden Saunders. Let's start with Drew, who is a, a player that obviously Penn State's very high on, is excited to get him to campus one day. Mike Yersich, as we've talked about at length, was very uh, eager to try and get him as a part of this class. They have him, and his senior season is, is here uh, prior to his arrival in State College. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 for 28, 160 yards passing, two touchdowns. Uh, I think with Penn State fans look at the stats there, they'll they'll want to see a little bit of a higher completion percentage. But look, it's it's week one. Um, I don't want to to overthink that or anything. Um, you know, he was also playing against a good Warren Harding squad, which is one of the better teams he will he will face this year. I mean, Drew, Drew does get a little inaccurate at times, especially needs to, needs to improve his feet at times, uh, especially in competition, but. Look, the, the main thing that grabs my attention in, in this game was that he led two excellent drives to put this game away. He led a 60-yard, uh, was it 60-yard, eight-play drive in, in the third quarter, and then a seven-play, 48-yard drive at the very end of the third quarter to, to you know to get his team the win and, and, and put away, like I said, a, a solid Warren Harding squad. So that's the two things that stand out to me. You know, uh, it was pretty much a shaky first half from from what he was saying and, and some some quotes that we saw. Uh, but then his team rallied and, and really, you know, performed well in the second half. So it's a good first win for Madonna. 
Uh, is it Medina? Medina? I, I got to ask. <laughs> I got to double check on that. But, uh, you know, look, Drew's going to have a great season. He has a he, he has a couple couple big games coming up. I know Mentor is one that I'm looking into maybe attending uh, that I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how he grows and progresses. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. The one thing that just, just jumps out to me on this film is that there were times when because he was playing a good team, um, he was forced to get out and move a little bit and do things out of the pocket. And that's probably, I would assume, where some of the inaccuracy has come from. So that's something he'll work on. But you know what? He's coming to a place where Mike Yurcich was not unaware of those facts when he decided to make him a priority for Penn State. And because of that, I think fans have to realize that even if the numbers maybe don't always look the way fans want them to, uh, things will be quite okay once he uh, continues his season, gets further along, and has a chance to continue showing the improvement everybody wants to see from him prior to getting to Penn State. All right, last one for now, Caden Saunders. Um, man, he's just such a fun player to watch, Ryan. Yeah, but this wasn't the game for that. <laughs> so he was doubled and triple teamed the entire game. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see some limited highlights here, but uh, he, he was doubled and triple teamed all game long. His team ran for 300 plus yards. This actually, these are, these are some older clips here, Greg. These are a scrimmage from a week before. So, uh, they, they got the win over a good old and tangy squad. Uh, and like I said, team ran for 300 yards, but when I reached out to just about everybody, uh, all, all they told me was that he, he was double team to triple team the entire time. And that tells me that, uh, his stats were, were pretty limited in this game, but look, we know Caden is one of the top players in the, in the, in the whole country. Now he's top 100, I believe number 78, I believe is what he moved up to top 10 wide receiver. And he deserved it, man. His, his summer was one of the most impressive I've seen, uh, not just this year, but in, but in recent years of any kind of skilled player. So, Caden um, is going to be electric. We know he's going to take Westerville South pretty deep into the playoffs, and he's another guy I got to try and figure out a way to get into my schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping maybe wait for playoff games for them, just because I, you know, just with the way their their conference and division lines up, they'll get some really juicy matchups come November. Yeah, there's no question about it. I'm glad you made the notice or the mention of the scrimmage highlights because <laughs> two weeks ago, yeah. If you watch the end of that clip where he's run blocking, uh, that's what his pretty much entire game film from this past week is going to look like. Because as yeah. you know, as you said, they ran and ran and ran some more, and they didn't need Caden Sounders to to be a part of the offense because number one, the opposing team wasn't going to let him. But because they did that, it allowed for the rest of the offense to thrive, which is. Hey, if you're not going to get the stats, you might as well watch your teammates get them as they go up and down the field. So good first week for them. We'll have a little bit more on where commits are at as the season unfolds. Like we said, some states are already going. Some states will get going. You'll have all the updates you need, bwi.rivals.com, for the latest Penn State football recruiting news, team news, basketball, wrestling. We have you covered top to bottom A to Z with Penn State uh, athletics at bwi.rivals.com. All right, let's move on, Ryan, to camp, which obviously here on this particular show, we usually talk a lot more recruiting, but I'm not sure you can spend uh, an episode of a show this close to the season not discussing camp at all. So let's just move the conversation to this point. Uh, like we said, we're recording this on Tuesday, August 24th. So we are exactly one week from James Franklin's first game week news conference. And we are 11 days from kickoff in Wisconsin, which again, it's hard to believe some of these things are here after what felt like a really uh, long wait from the end of the 2020 season in December until now. But here we are, we've had some questions answered. We've had some questions that we don't feel like we know the answer to yet. We have some questions that will hopefully be answered this week. 
Just give me your general thought at this point about where things stand. Because to me, I think Penn State fans have every reason to feel optimistic, but also a little bit queasy about some of these things we just won't possibly know the answer to until Saturday at noon on September 4th in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, I, look, everybody's talking about safety, defensive line rotations, uh, You know, who, who's that third wide receiver who's going to emerge. And that's all a key area to focus on for fans and i think that's you know where the media will probably focus on here over the next 11 days to try and get answers although james isn't going to give many answers i'll tell you that but for me i've been pounding the linebacker drum for a year now i thought that was their biggest issue last year even even bigger than than clifford's um up and down play at times just because that you could always usually rely on that defense to 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 somewhat keep you in games, especially against some of those mediocre teams or, you know, mid, mid-range teams, I'd say, in the Big Ten. And as you saw against Iowa, as you saw against Maryland, uh, and even Nebraska and to some degree, I thought the linebacker play was, the, was you know, maybe one of the biggest reasons they lost some of those games. So to me, it's really – Curtis Jacobs is the absolute X factor this year. Uh, we know Brandon Smith, he, he showed steady improvement throughout the year. There's a lot of potential there. And Brandon still has to improve in a lot of ways too. I don't want to – pretend that he's a finished product. I think Ellis Brooks was more consistent than, than a lot of fans give him credit for last year. So to me, it's really the the progress Curtis Jacobs is making and can he hold his own throughout the first half of the season and just steadily keep gaining confidence, which is which is what you want to see out of a first year starter. Because if he 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 can hold his own, you know, play well in the pass, I expect him to, to play pretty pretty well against the run, but his pass is Pass coverage is we got a little bit of it last year, but not not a ton of that to to, to watch. If he if he can hold his own in, in a lot of ways, I think it'll just make a tremendous difference for this defense. So that's that's the focus point for me. They're just learning more, obviously, throughout the next ten days. But really, the first couple of weeks of the season, that's what I'll be watching all the time. Yep, there's no question about it. And I think probably the most interesting thing that I'm going to be watching for is. And you can't see it during camp, so we're just going to have to take our time here and wait. But what is the environment like uh, once something goes wrong in Wisconsin, on the sideline, in the huddle, things like that? That's kind of my big question at this point because if you're uh, looking back at last season, that's probably the one thing that I think Penn State fans may have been frustrated by most is just the fact that it never felt like once the snowball came rolling downhill, they could slow it down. So we're at the point now where – uh, I seeing in believing time with Sean Clifford, with Mike Yurcich, with the guys you just mentioned, with the safety beside Jaquan Brisker, with Tariq Castro-Fields hopefully being healthy. I mean, it's time for all those boxes to just be checked. And I know they have one more week of camp before they roll fully into game week, but you know, it's it's going to come a point here, and maybe it's still a couple of days away. But excuse me, the uh, the talk is going to be the talk, and the walk is going to be the walk. And can Penn State walk the walk this year? And I think you put this on the message board inside the uh, Lions Den Premium Forum recently, but, you know, was last year a fluke? It's going to be a question to ask on pregame shows, on uh, uh, preview uh, podcasts and videos like this one. I mean, people want to know, was last year as much of the fluke as everyone thinks it was? And we're just not going to know that answer until we see some actual competition against somebody else. So, Fascinated to hear that camp is seemingly going really well. We've not heard any bad news of any kind. And it seems like when we're there, Ryan, I really like the vibe that the team gives off. 
But again, we won't know if that actually matters until we see some legitimate game reps at Camp Randall here in about a week's week and a half's time. Yep. Oh, just one other thing. I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, I, I hit on a tiny bit. It's just that third receiver. Uh, we know what Jahan and, and Parker Washington are going to be able to do. And, you know, we're starting to hear some really positive talk about Harrison Wallace, who he's kind of similar to those two. And that's why I'm curious if, you know, Cam Sullivan-Brown or Keontae Lambert-Smith can kind of emerge and be a little more of a bigger presence for them because I, I think that would really, really help their potential here uh, in, in, you know, especially those first couple games, which are going to be so important. So, you know, I, I, I've – you kind of talked we we were on the board talking about whether you know this this last season was a fluke or not and to me there was definitely a, a quite a few things that impacted uh you know we've had players come out and just kind of flat out admit that the locker room chemistry wasn't as good as it needed to be but you know there's also a, a lot of when, when you watch go back and watch that that there's you know just just talent overall and whether this team is as stacked as you know we we thought they were going into last year that's that's what we're really going to learn these first three three games is just whether uh, this was more of a talent issue or everything off the field, whether that uh, was the biggest issue. To me, it's, it, I think it's going to be a little bit of both, uh, which is why I've been kind of leaning towards an eight and four season, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, the 2021 Penn State football preview magazine from Blue White Illustrated is now on newsstands where you can get more thoughts just like that from Ryan and the rest of the team at Blue White Illustrated about the season, recruiting news, and more. There's also a new magazine out now on newsstands. It has Sean Clifford on the cover, uh, wrestling updates from the Olympic where David Taylor was a gold medalist, and so much more. So if you're interested in either of those, uh, you can check your local newsstands. You can visit us at comanpub.com slash bwi-preview. Or give a call, 814-234-1177, Monday through Friday, and get those copies now. Because kickoff is almost here. There's no question about that. All right, let's get to the final segment of the show. Again, you can now find the Blue Way Illustrated podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and wherever else you get audio. So please be sure to check us out there. Like, rate, subscribe, leave us, leave us some feedback. Especially you Apple podcasters now that we finally have come through for you. So. Check that please. out. and Yes, please. And then the Blue White Illustrated YouTube page features not just these videos, but film evals from Thomas Frank Carr, BWI Daily, so much more player interviews, James Franklin updates, etc. YouTube.com slash Blue White Illustrated for more. And the final segment of the show, we're going to go back to recruiting. So you and I are going to hit the road later this week. As we've mentioned a couple of times now, the Pennsylvania high school football season gets going in earnest this Friday, this coming weekend. You're going to go to uh, LaSalle College, which features Penn State commit Abdul Carter. And they're going to take on Bishop McDevitt here in the Harrisburg area. And then in Mannheim Township, I will see Anthony Ivey and that Mannheim Township take on uh, CD East, uh, which, of course, is home to Makai Flowers now. So we're excited to get it on the road, see these guys in person. We've had the opportunity to check them out at 7-on-7s or at camps or at practices or whatever. But... There's just something a little bit different at times about getting to see these guys in person, in pads, with their teammates. You get a different sense, maybe, of the kind of player they are, the kind of teammate they are, the kind of athlete they are. And we'll be on the road, not just this week, but throughout the fall, trying to bring that perspective uh, to not just the folks here, but obviously everyone inside the uh, Lions Den as well. You can sign up with the promo code BWI60 for two free months on us if you want to check out the latest news there. But Ryan, uh, LaSalle. Bishop McDevitt should be a good one. Oh, man. I'm just happy to have non-conference games back. You know, we, right. we missed that last year. And, 
yeah, especially, you know, mid-pen and, and, you know, the Philly schools and the, and the Pittsburgh schools, you know, they, they have good conference play. But to get these fun matchups like LaSalle coming to coming to Bishop McDevitt, you know, Manheim Township has always kind of played a bunch of the, the mid-pen Commonwealth schools. And there's also another fun matchup, Pine Richland's going to Harrisburg. There's not too many uh, true Division One players on those two teams this year. There are a couple, but um, that's just another really fun matchup that, that's on Saturday. So, but, but with LaSalle, Bishop McDevitt, you know, obviously watching Abdul Carter, that's going to be one of my my primary focuses we we watched him put together um, well we didn't watch him because we weren't allowed on camp this year but we know he put together a, an excellent performance at Penn State as far as testing numbers and whatnot so now watching him translate to the field is, is really what I'm looking forward to seeing and he's going to play against three elite offensive players uh, who will all play at the division one level uh, Gabriel Arena is an offensive lineman with a Virginia Tech offer he came up to Penn State had a good camp um, somebody I, I think could get an offer down the road, but you know, obviously they want to see how he does this season. And then the, the two bigger names that I think fans fans will recognize: one is uh, Marquise Williams, 2023 running back. He's actually in the Rivals 250 um, for for 2023 players. Penn State has offered him. He hasn't he hasn't visited yet, uh, which kind of surprised me. I thought he would be up on campus this summer. So he's someone I want to get to know. He's another kind of quiet guy who. I've had you know a few few texts and whatnot with, but someone I really would like to get to talk to. And then 2025, yes, 2025 uh, quarterback Stone Saunders. He already holds a, a Michigan offer, and he hasn't even uh, played a, a down of varsity ball yet. Well, I guess he has with the scrimmage now, but uh, you get my point. He, he earned an offer uh, back in June, I believe, and, and came up to Penn State, camped well there too. Definitely a guy that I expect Penn State to offer at some point. They obviously want to see some film before they make that move. But to, to see how, how Carter uh, plays against you know, an offensive lineman who will play Division One, a running back who will play Division One, and then a quarterback who will play Division One. Uh, that's why this was a, a pretty easy matchup for for me to attend. Although I will say I did have issues. I I really also would like to go uh, watch Imatep Charter go to uh, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, which is also Friday night. But I believe I'm going to go see Imatep play the following weekend when Dematha comes up to Philadelphia. So I had to kind of make a choice there. Uh, and we're going to we're going to go see LaSalle and uh, Bishop McDevitt. So you're going to go see two Penn State commits play against each other, man. What's uh, what are you looking forward to? Well, so when Makai Flowers ended up at CD East, one of the things he had said in interviews and I believe he put it on social media as well was I want to show what I can do against 6A competition against the top players in PA or at least the biggest schools in PA. And. You know, obviously, when you play at Steel uh, High like he did, you know, your athleticism signs through, but you're not always playing the, uh, well, guys that are even going to go play D3 or D2, let alone D1. So he's going to run into that now. He does in the first game of the season. So I'm really interested to see what they look like. CD East has uh, Tony Powell at quarterback now, who was at Middletown previously, uh, another mid Penn school for those of you not in the Harrisburg area. Um, so it should be a good connection, a really good connection. And I'm fascinated to see what those two can do together and what Flowers can do uh, now that he's at the level that he claims he wanted to play at. Well, now it's time to show why you wanted to play there and show what you've shown before at that level. So that's obviously one thing. And then with, with Anthony Ivy, you know, I watched him in a seven-on-seven. Seven. It featured McDevitt, featured a couple other teams uh, from around the area, including Central York and Bo Prabula. And 
he had some fine moments, but the quarterback play was, you know, they had a new quarterback who had not played varsity football before, and this was in June. So he was working to get used to his teammates, working to get used to the 7-on-7 format, all of that. And I'm really interested to see from a Mannheim Township perspective just what those relationships are like now, what those uh, skill sets are like now, and how that Ivy can help maybe, um, whether it's with underneath stuff, whether it's with screens, just put his athleticism to and speed to work and just run away from teams. So should be a really good game. I'm hopeful anyway that we see a very good contest Friday night. Either way, we're going to have highlights and clips and more coverage than, uh, than you know, than you could think of because, again, <laughs> two Penn State guys. I didn't know where I was going with that, but two Penn State guys in one place is always a good, uh, good opportunity to spend a Friday night watching uh, what we believe will be, you know, obviously things change in this game a lot, but two future Nittany Lions uh, that will sign with the school once they finish their final high school season. Yeah, one thing I want to add is uh, Flowers, their schedule, CD East has a pretty good schedule. His, one other thing, excuse me, his head coach, Lance Dean, was his previous defensive coordinator at CD Steel High. So you know, I mean, Flowers is always going to be a major part as soon as he transferred there, regardless of who the coach is. But there is a connection between those two, and he's going to be the lead guy immediately, no doubt about that. And then if you look at their schedule, you know, they have Warwick. Which is a, a solid, a solid team. Uh, I believe four A, maybe they're five A. Uh, at down in Lancaster, they play them week two, and then Cedar Cliff is a pretty good team as well. Um, all, all solid programs in non-conference play, and then they roll into an Altoona squad that played State College really well. State College is always pretty good. Harrisburg, Central Dolphin, and you know, Cumberland Valley's on that schedule too. And you know, they had an up and down season last year, but the point is that Flowers is really going to get the opportunity to play some 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 talent and, and size, you know, deep, deep kind of squads that, uh, you know, he, he just wasn't able to, to, to get that opportunity at, at Steel High playing 1A ball. So I'm really looking forward to that. I expect that between you and I, we'll see Flowers play a couple times this year. I think you're right. All right, let's wrap up with this. Three guys we won't see this weekend. You'll probably see all three of them this fall Hopefully. at some point. But you have to post up bwi.rivals.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news on the homepage right now. You have a story up about three Penn State commits you think can outplay their rating this year. And obviously, you just mentioned Matha Catholic a few minutes ago. KJ Winston makes your list. Cameron Miller, who we talked about earlier in the show, makes your list. And then your third player was Tyler Johnson, the three-star receiver from Virginia who maybe surprised some folks when he committed, but for those who were paying attention, it was quite clear Penn State staff felt really good about his potential when they offered and hosted him a couple of times and ultimately accepted his commitment. Yeah, well, these are all three guys who came up uh, and either camped at Penn State or camped at other places this summer and put up excellent numbers, numbers that compare or rate um, well to some of the higher-rated guys. Like, for example, with Tyler Johnson, he came to Penn State, ran a 4 Four four seven forty and a four one eight twenty yard shuttle. Those numbers are pretty much identical to Caden Saunders. All right, and we talk all the time about Caden Saunders' explosion and, and speed and whatnot. Well, Caden's obviously been on the camp scene a lot longer. You know, he's he's been under a mic microscope longer. He, you know, people just see him more, and they haven't seen Tyler Johnson as enough. But his numbers are pretty much identical. And by the way, his broad jump and triple jump numbers are even better than than Caden and and really better than pretty much everybody that's committed in this class with a nine foot uh, 10 inch broad jump, a 31 foot five inch triple broad. I mean, those are really good numbers, excellent numbers. So 
you know, he's just one player who, you know, everything that we see in camp suggests that this is a player who has four-star potential. And and last year, his he had a shortened season, but he put up crazy numbers too. 925 yards receiving, 13 touchdowns on 25 receptions. Think about that for a second, guys. I mean, that's, that's okay. That's, that's a TD every other catch. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, he's one guy that uh, I think after what we saw this summer and now getting official numbers and whatnot, if he can go out there again, put up some excellent stats again, that he's someone that I think, um, you know, rivals and, and all these sites need to need to consider moving up. And then with Cam Miller, I kind of made the case for him a little earlier. He's going to play five elite uh, programs in Florida this year, top 50 yep. programs. Um, you know, the American Heritage I mentioned. There's there's a couple others. Florida State University High School, which yeah, that Florida State University High School, I believe that's the name of it. You know, they're they're a top school. There's there's a couple others. I know Lincoln's one of them. I think Lake City uh, is another one. But uh, long story short, he's going to play some really good talent that he didn't get to play last year. I'm I'm actually I'm in the process of trying to set a flight up for October 8th to go see Cam Miller play American Heritage which is you know a team I mentioned a couple times here. And Brandon Innes is a top uh, five-star wide receiver who just committed to Oklahoma. And then Santana Fleming is another, I think, top 100 wide receiver who you know hasn't committed yet, but he's got offers from everybody, including Penn State. So I'm really trying to go down and see that matchup because you know watching him square up against those guys will, will help us really understand what kind of a cornerback he can be. But you know we, he's another guy who tested well either this year or last year, he had a 459 40-yard dash, and that's actually improved. That number was from, I believe, was it last? I think it was 16 months ago, basically. And every everybody I've talked to with Penn State thinks, you know, that that, that number's probably high four fours now. Uh, 10-foot, 6-inch broad jump, very good number he put up at the Miami uh, Under Armour camp this past March, and, you know, 4-2-2 second shot. I mean, a lot of good numbers here that I can go on and on about. So Cam Miller is just another guy that I think is kind of being slept on a bit. And we can go into to KJ Winston too. Three offer or three real games last year is all he played. And he actually showed improvement in a few ways in those games. And then, you know, this summer he's, he's he did really well at the Under Armour camp. He ran a 4.8240 at that camp, which is not, you know, that that's, that's slower than I think a lot of fans would expect to see. But I've, I've talked about this a few times. I was at that camp. Guys were running into a headwind the entire day. I mean, it was like 20, 30-mile-an-hour gust at times. It was it was really whipping out there. And a lot of guys put up slow numbers. I mean, I, I think when we went through that list, about 70% of uh, the, the players that we expected to see, you know, put up some really good numbers – we're all slower than what we've seen in the past. I don't. I don't hold that four eight two against him. I think he he can run probably closer to a four six range, which is fine uh, for for a guy that's you know still has time to improve before he gets here. A ten foot four inch broad jump again, another awesome number that that uh, Penn State's happy to see. Four 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 five shuttle, great number, very happy to see. And a thirty two uh, six three reach, which is uh, among the best of Penn State's skill position players. So I just see three guys here who put up great numbers this summer. And then in in the case of uh, KJ and Cam Miller, they're going to play some really good talent. I mean, KJ plays at DeMatha. He's going to go against uh, teams like Gonzaga, Episcopal, Roman Catholic, Good Counsel. I mean, all of those players have uh, re- receivers or tight ends who are going to play at the uh, the highest level in college football. So that I made the case for those three. I think you can also throw in Keon Wiley there. We don't. I didn't have the testing numbers for him, so that's why I didn't include him in the story. But I think his film 
uh, is was among the best that we watched. And, he, and he's at Ematap. He's going to play great schools. So if I can get some maybe some verified numbers on him and then also what we see on film this year, he's another guy that I think is kind of being slept on a little bit. So there's – and if Penn State wants to have a top 10 class, they could use one or two of these guys moving up. Um, right now I, I kind of project them to be seven, eight, somewhere in that range. And, uh, you know, if a couple other schools are really going to run, they'll be right there on that, uh, on that edge. So get one or two of these guys to move up. I think we'll go a long way, uh, for, for Penn state to be top 10 this year. The countdown, the kickoff is on Penn state, Wisconsin, September four in Madison. We'll be there. We'll be everywhere. Penn state goes, whether it's recruiting team news, you know where to find it. BWI.rivals.com. Don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell. So you get notified each time there is a new video. And obviously, be sure to follow us on social media. Hit those subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcast. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle. And this has been another edition of the Blue White Illustrated Football and Recruiting Podcast. We'll see you next time.